0: contribute to the needs of the saints. Romans chapter 12 verse 13. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. Heavenly Father, please bless my words to be true and useful for upbuilding your beloved people. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Um, so I finally admitted to myself um, in preparation for this week that I hate preaching about giving. <laughs> it's why I actually haven't done it in over three years. I can't actually even remember the last time uh, that I preached about it. Um, and I preach about it, I am going to be speaking about it this morning um, because um, even I actually needed reminding by the vestry that it's a normal part of Christian discipleship, and should be preached on from time to time and so i said well the next time something comes up in the lectionary that speaks about giving and money i'll preach on it and so here we have it and we actually h- began to hear about it um, last week in our romans reading um, let the one who gives um, the one who contributes in generosity and then this week contribute contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality um and this Rightly coincides with um, the sort of launching of our um, pledge campaign for our next year's budget as we're looking as a vestry to sort of begin to look to the finances for next year. The pledge forms um, for those of you who feel called to pledge and are willing to pledge um, will be distributed on the way out after church today. Um, I'm sheepish about this topic partly because um, in this sort of background of um, the last century of American Christianity, there have been so many False teachers who have just been peddling for money and constantly trying to squeeze money, and it's sort of poisoned the broth and really obscured the fact that giving financially is a very ordinary and expected and normal part of Christian discipleship. That the Lord talks about money all the time. St. Paul in his letters is always fundraising money um, to distribute to the needs of the churches. And it is so um, for spiritual reasons that. It's not about, um, we're so inclined to think about money only on its own terms, the way we think about these things today, as if it's money just about money. But no, the Bible says that um, what we do with our money and our spiritual lives are connected, right? That's why Jesus talks about not serving mammon, but serving God. And you can't have two masters, that there are spiritual realities connected to money and discipleship realities connected to how we use our money. And I was originally um, thinking about how maybe I can sort of get over this um, difficult sermon by really just spending a lot of time in abstraction and looking at the Greek and how it's actually participating in the needs of the saints of which contributing is it. And I realized that's actually I think another way of kind of also giving too much authority to money and not talking candidly about it. And I remember um, uh, a, an old priest I knew up in the Diocese of Milwaukee who's dead now and I trust with the Lord um, named Father John Julian um, and he also would only preach on giving once a year um, and he made it a, a 45 second sermon and he used to say he used to get up and this is not a joke I'm not this is not like a made-up anecdote this is what he would do he would say he had a very um, very gravelly voice I think he might have been a smoker for a number of years and so you can't smoke like this and he'd say the Bible has two paradigms for giving. 10% or 100%. You pick which paradigm you would like and do it. <laughs> and then he would sit down. <laughs> um, I only know this anecdote because it sort of circulated in legend because his was the only parish that was growing financially because people took him at his word. And it's true, and of course, in those, those of you um, who know your Bibles well will catch the paradigms that 100% is the vision in sort of that utopic moment in the sort of launch of the church in the book of Acts and everything, they had everything in common, right? They sold everything and they gave it to a common pot. There was this 100% sort of voluntary giving that characterized the first um, day of the church. Not, I mean, metaphorical day, it wasn't just one day, but the first era of the church. Uh, and then 10% being the way the prophets, um, specifically uh, Malachi chapter three, sort of distills the call of God on his people through all the giving that's called for, through all the law. Which actually, if you add it up, and someone actually did this, they figured out what are the average holdings of sheep and goats, and if you give this many for the offerings, et cetera. Old Israel fun- functionally tithed around 25%, when you add up all the offerings. Um, but the prophets sort of gather that and bring forth this word, the word tenth, tithe just means tenth, to, to give a tenth. And Malachi, even the Lord speaking through the prophet Malachi says, test me in this, all right, try me give 10%. So to kind of work out of um, Father John Julian's uh, wonderful 45 second homily and to expand it to maybe just six or seven minutes more, um, one of the things I've been uh, touched by in Christians that I've met is starting at 10% and actually working upwards from there. And so I want to tell just a few more anecdotes. One is um, my professor of New Testament in seminary we were asking, we were studying something about, something about, one of the scriptures about money. And we kind of asked him, like, how do you handle your money? And he, he revealed to us that something which I'll never forget, which is that, you know, early on in his career, they kind of figured out, like, how much money he, they needed as a family to pay the mortgage and pay for the kids' needs and to have insurance and, you know, just like the basic needs of life, um, including a 10% tithe to the church. Um, and then they figured out how much that money was. And I don't remember the exact number, but. So it was like $70,000. He has got four kids, three kids. Um, And um, they just resolved that, okay, well, we figured out, and we're about making that now. We're kind of making ends meet. If we ever get more money than this, we'll just give away everything over and above. And they did, and he stuck with that. At this point, he was 15 to 20 years deep into that way, and I assume he still does it to this day. Um, But he then became quite... Um, accomplished and successful in his career and started making quite a lot more money. And they said, so everything we make over what we'd already established back then, you know, it's like in 1997 or something, we just give away everything off the top. And so their generosity far exceeds 10%, and they've blessed so many of God's people and so much labor and ministry in the church. And that's a vision that um, has stuck with me. Okay, on the other um, end of the financial picture, the... um, Second anecdote I want to share is um, about Mark Mannings, who some of you may remember was a man who uh, was experiencing homelessness. Um, We met him first as a congregation because he was sleeping on the steps of the church. uh, And he um, was a part of this congregation for a couple of years before moving back to Sylacauga, um, where then he died about a year later, actually. But um, um, Mark was literally homeless and so obviously had great needs and he hung around the church all the time as you remember, and uh, those of you who knew him. And um, so we began to employ him to, uh, to do the church cleaning. There was about an hour of like vacuuming and surface cleaning and things like that. And so we offered him 20 bucks for an hour's cleaning. That seemed like a fair, you know, exchange. Um, and the number of times I'll never forget where um, Mark did his cleaning and he'd usually do it for a couple hours, but we'd, we'd said it was only an hour. So um, so I'd, I'd give him um, two two tens, like in exchange for his labor. And he would receive it, and then immediately he'd give me a 10 back and say, put it in the offering plate. (laughs) And I was like, what? And I didn't say that out loud, but what a testimony that you don't have to have money to be generous with money. Now I don't think, I'm not saying that Mark made the best financial decisions in his life, Um, but the spirit of that, that this is the only 20 he had to his name, and he gave half of it away instantly in gratitude to God for his provision. Um, left a deep impression on me. Um, so, so, which is where I sort of want to end, which is um, my own experience of um, of giving, which is that um, even um, before Karen and I were married, we both individually were taught that, you know, as Christians, you just give away 10% before uh, as your first, uh, from your, the first moment you receive any money, and so since we've been married, we, that's been our, our, our married practice. Any money we get, the moment we get it, the very, the very first thing we do is designate 10%, take 10 percent of it and set it aside to give uh, to the church. Um, and what I want to speak about is just sort of the spiritual testimony of what that habit does. And I know some of you are in that habit already, and I'm sure you could sort of echo this testimony. And if you're not in that habit already, I encourage you to it. Um, because one of the great illusions of our, the, the state of play of the way the economy is today and the way we conceive of it as Americans, is we, ha- we, we buy into this illusion that I'm providing for myself. That I made this money and I spend this money and I've provided for myself. And it is actually an illusion. And all it takes is some natural disaster or some unexpected job loss or some physical illness to pop that bubble pretty quick and to realize, oh. Wait, I, I, I am not autonomous in this universe. And one of the things that a 10% tithe right away, first of all, if you don't do it right away, you don't have the money after, right? You have to do it right away because then you make do with whatever you've got with the 90% you've got left. If you wait until even two days in, to that monthly budget, there won't be enough money. That's the funny way money works, but. Our experience has been that giving away that 10%, even when it's like, oh, we could really have used a bit of extra money this month or whatever, but nope, still automatically tithing what it does is it pops the bubble without prior to any natural disaster or sickness or job loss. It pops the bubble and says, no, I am not providing for myself. My heavenly Father provides for me. Just like we pray in the Lord's Prayer. Words that we should mean. Give us this day our daily bread. God, you are the one. We pray before meals on Sundays. The eyes of all, from Psalm 139. The eyes of all look to you, O Lord. You give them their food in due season. You open wide your hand and fill all things living with plenteousness. And to tie them, it's just a way of sort of pinching at the flesh, which would love to kind of grab the 10% of money and say, no, 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 Lord, I give it back to you, an act of thanksgiving, um, following the 10% paradigm. Um, And the spiritual lesson that it sort of writes in, paycheck after paycheck, month after month, that sense of dependency. Lord, I'm dependent on you providing. It doesn't even appear like I have enough for this month. And so we pray. And as my dad used to always say, often when you pray for more money, the Lord provides more work, <laughs> as it should be. But He also provides charity and kindness and unexpected reliefs of different kinds. And Karen and I can bear 40 testimonies to times when we were $100 short or $1,000 short, and the Lord provided some way to meet that need. And it's not, it's not if you then this happens in that sort of terrible televangelist sort of way of like, give money and this will happen the Lord is not an if-then machine. But our testimony is that if we respond faithfully with our money, obedience to the 10% call, attempting to practice the habit of trusting God for provision, lo and behold, he has shown himself to be the provider year after year, uh, decade after decade. So so I put all that before you, relieved to not have to preach about this again for another year. But I invite you to prayerfully ask in the Lord, Lord, how are you calling me to grow in generosity? For those of you who are already tithing 10%, is there something over and above that the Lord would call you to give? Um, For those of you who are not yet tithing 10%, um, I challenge you, in the grumpy voice of John Julian, um, to adopt the 10% paradigm. and, And test and see if what I'm saying isn't true in terms of integrating material and spiritual life in a really healthful way, through that slight pinching and shortening uh, of uh, financial ability that comes with giving 10%, with contributing to the needs of the saints. Contributing to the needs of the saints. Amen.